Welcome to Streaming with Two Dudes, a podcast about all things streaming. Each episode, we break down some of the best series, songs, movies, and shows. I'm One Dude Parker. I'm Dude Number Two, Jeff. And dudes, this episode, we're talking about The Black Phone, a 2022 film starring Mason Mason Thames, I guess. Is it Thames or Thames? Do you know? I'm not sure. Uh, Madeline McGraw and Ethan Hawke. Directed by Scott Derrickson and written by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill and Joe Hill, which was based on a short story by Joe Hill as well. We'll get into that in a little bit. But first, Jeff, what else have you been streaming? Zero. Zilch. I've been in in vacation mode. Uh, That's right. That's right. got, Got away for a little while, which was nice. Went to the... Tybee Island, Savannah, Georgia area. Perfect timing because the day we left was when uh, Mr. Hurricane Ian uh, was starting to impact Florida and was going to be impacting that area. So uh highly recommend visiting Savannah. I've been multiple times. One of my favorite cities on this planet. Go to savannah.com. Use Jeff as a just kidding. You won't get anything for using me as a code. <laughs> so, so yeah, anyway, uh, I did stream Black Phone. Uh, so, obviously, we'll discuss yes. that later. But otherwise, what about yourself, Mr. Streamer? Uh, I actually just watched Hocus Pocus 2 last night, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people did as well. It was okay. I... I mean, I'm glad I didn't get too pumped about it because I really wasn't let down. It was one of those situations where I didn't expect too much, so I didn't I didn't get let down. But, I mean, for the, the story, I enjoyed the story, but I did think it was a little too silly for my liking. But, you know, it's a Disney film, but it could have been a little bit darker, and I think they would have gotten away with it. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it's there, but it was okay. If you like it, I'm not going to hate you for liking it, but I mean, it's a kid's movie. So what else can you say? Uh, yeah. they, they can't all be like perfect, uh, but I like my horror movies. So, I mean, what about you, man? Uh, what's your what's your history with horror movies? Like how have you always liked them? Have you always is this like a new thing in your life? Like, were you like more an adult? Did you watch them as a kid? Did you sneak around with your parents? into it or like how did what, what's your history with horror films well first of all as they would say in the south it's fall y'all <laughs> and parker even though you now knock on canada's door uh we all know you're still a true southern so you can relate but, yes but no i mean this time of year man it, it invokes so many good emotions and memories one I'm not a big fan of summertime. I love the fall. So it's like we're in, uh, we're actually today, we're officially in October. I mean, the weather's cooler. You break out the hoodies. You really, and of course, I love Halloween. Love the whole horror genre. I do kind of, I think I've mentioned previously, kind of got a love-hate relationship with it. As a kid, absolutely loved it. You know, I'm a product of the 80s. It was all about, Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So uh, 
And even though like Jason and Freddie were probably the two more popular ones, I was actually a much bigger fan of uh, Michael Myers and Halloween uh, and even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, so yeah, always a huge fan when I was younger, uh, even in the, you know, the teenage years, I guess as an adult, it, it kind of changed. I, I don't know if that's just where I changed or I know the way they do horror movies changed a good bit. So maybe it was a combination of the two, but like once I got married, I didn't watch them near as much. And it seems like when I did decide to watch one, I, I didn't care for it. There's only a handful I've watched probably in the last, I don't know, 20 years that I actually really enjoyed. Uh, however, I do think black phone was the perfect introduction uh, for me personally. And we'll get much into that. Uh, we'll get more of that later. But so that's kind of my history with it. I, I'm actually hoping us watching all these films this month uh, might rekindle or, or kind of spark what, what was my love when I was younger. Um, we'll see how that plays out. So uh, what about you? What was your history, your upbringing with this genre? I have been in love with horror films ever since I can remember I mean, I was a product of the the late 80s and early 90s. So a lot of my cartoons and programming were pretty dark. You know, I grew up with mothers dying and all of that stuff. So all of that kind of stuff was uh, the morbid fascination with all of that stuff was already there. And then I think I watched the third Child's Play when I was around five, I saw scenes in it <laughs> and the thought of a killer doll was just like crazy. It was both terrifying and, and super interesting to me. And so eventually I just begged my parents until they finally let me watch it. And from there, you know, it just took off. My mom was a big fan of horror. So she was letting me watch Pet Cemetery, you know, all of these things. And I was allowed to take it. You know, I could take it. It, it didn't really freak me out. I was I was not super, you know, like into them as a kid, but you know, like I always loved a good horror film. Uh they weren't like my main thing by any stretch of the imagination because I just loved all movies when I was a kid, but horror was huge and like you said, the set like I think it's just pretty much everywhere in America, but because man, the decorations here, you know, are outstanding i love it here uh the the fall the leaves changing uh the trees are beautiful um but yeah i love halloween the fall it's it's great hoodie time perfect uh but yeah my um and from there my you know i've always i've always been into horror films i always you know try to keep up to the new ones some of the ones you know like they get a little more gory uh, I wasn't really into, I really liked the Saw, you know, franchise, but, you know, outside of that, I really wasn't a fan of like Hostel or anything, but pretty much anything that's horror, whether it be like Supernatural, the serial killers, you know, the, the masked horror, you know, the stalker thing, love all of it, it all is anything freaky is just great. Zombies aliens <laughs> whatever love it uh so i'm all things like freaky and morbid give it to me especially this time of year like i eat it up like candy like king size candy so was would you say that the child's play movie was maybe the the first one you remember that really piqued your interest or that one was definitely for sure my introduction 
<laughs> and I would say I actually fell in love with, like, I mean, like that one was my, yeah, for sure my introduction. And the one that got me like into being scared and like finding it amusing being scared. But, you know, from there it was like, you know, Ghostbusters, even things like that, you know, like those were marketed as like movies for children. So yeah, I like, I grew up with like all things like that, like paranormal. It's just literally been a part of my life forever and ever. And I hope it always will be. I mean, I grew up with Tim Burton movies. Like, what else do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like even our even our some of our romance were basically like set with some kind of like horror element to them. So, I mean, you know, this is this is I'm the product of that. Yeah, but I think it's great. For, uh, I think for me, or at least the the one I remember first was probably the original Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. Man, it just I, I fell in love with it, and and just. And you might be like me that I was never the type where like scary movies like gave me bad dreams or I mean, I was able to separate, I guess, reality from, you know, being in, 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 a, in a different realm of, of a movie. Right. And I, I, I love the, the, the scare side of it. The uh, I don't know, just the intensity. I, I don't know. Just like, but yeah, Halloween and then uh, Halloween two man, that's that's what did it for me. And, and again, I, you know, I know Freddie and Jason were probably more popular in the eighties, but mm-hmm. man, there's just something about Michael Myers and the, the Halloween franchise that just always did it for me, except for Halloween three. Yeah. That, I don't know. I'm, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm still bitter about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are because I mean, they expected something totally different and which, I mean, which, I mean, we can, we can get into, you know, later on, but that, you know, that was actually originally the plan for the Halloween movies was it was going to be like an anthology. It wasn't going to be focused on Michael Myers. He just became so popular that that's where they decided to go with it. And so the season of the witch was more of like what they were actually planning to do with the original sequel. But that Michael Myers was so popular that they brought him back for a sequel. And then they decided to go with the anthology from there. And then everybody had such a backlash around it that yeah. they reverted back to like, I guess Halloween's about Michael Myers now. <laughs> exactly. So they stuck with uh, what worked. So, I mean, I don't blame them, but you know, it does work with some other times, you know, like it definitely works with, you know, like American horror story, which I love. That's, that's always great, which I mean, not every season is, is great, but overall man such a such a great show that could have be like another thing that you know like that's always streaming you know that's great but let's get into what we've been watching this week uh we're gonna do you know a little bit different setup you know we're not gonna do our points we're gonna go over a basic outline and tell you about the movie we've been watching we start out you know at a baseball game the setting is north denver 1978 we meet Finney, who is a pitcher. Uh, and then we see Bruce, who hits a home run off of him. Then Bruce gets kidnapped on his way home by the grabber. And then cue the freaky Bloomhouse opening credits, which reminded me a lot of a Nine Inch Nail video. Do you, did you ever watch MTV with the Nine Inch Nail videos? Do you ever remember those? Um, not not specifically now. I mean, of course, I definitely grew up watching a good bit of MTV, but not the not that one in particular. 
where it just has like those real industrial like i mean you know their their music's real industrial but then they also have like these scenes of just like really off-put like black and white things cut to like the music and it's just like real glitchy like that it's just whenever they do they have those things those things always remind me of nine inch nail videos i don't i'm sure there's people out there that can relate to that maybe not i don't know maybe it's just me but <laughs> whenever whenever i see like credit intros that do that or even at the end of films when it does that like you know like the david lynchy kind of vibe it always reminds me of like nine inch nail videos every time and i know sometimes that trent reznor is involved with those so that kind of makes sense but i don't think he i don't think he was involved with this i think it's just kind of like that vibe that kind of gets put into movies now maybe that's just an influence there i can't i don't know so then we cut to finney's home after the credits you know we see that finney's dad is a drunk he's hung over at the breakfast table every you know, the kids are being too loud. Finney's slurping too loud. Gwen is slamming the bread box. They see a fight before school. We are introduced to a character named Robin who beat a bigger kid up named Moose. We find out that Robin and Finney are friends. And Robbie is kind of a protector type for Finney. He saves him from getting beat up in the bathroom. Finney's sister Gwen gets visions in her dreams. Detectives pull uh, bring her to the office at school and question her about some of her dreams and find out that she has information that is accurate that nobody else had so you know the detectives give her dreams you know some credible witness testimony there and and how feisty is gwen i I love gwen gwen okay i'll talk about this right here like ethan hawk did a great job as the grabber but the best performance in the entire movie was that little girl, that Madeline. What was it? I have to look at her name again. Madeline McGraw. Best performance in the movie by far. Like uh, Matt Mason did a great job. The little boy that played Finney. He did good oh, yeah. as well. I mean, I would put him as number two, but she did great. And the, I mean, in the next scene where she's getting, you know, it's so brutal, but she's getting, you know, beat by mm. her dad that that acting in that scene man like it's it's like i i was never i got spanked but i was never you know anything like that like my father never wailed on me or anything like that and a, never laid his hands on me intoxicated or anything um i just got you know the the pop on the butt and keep moving usually you know so never got it like that but i did have you know friends that that unfortunately did and man like if that girl has not ever had her hands laid on her like that like she must has seen some stuff because she it was so believable just the way she the infliction in her voice and everything and yeah man. i mean that's with this being a horror flick to me that was by far the most terrifying scene absolutely absolutely was was her dad beating her and like Mm -hmm. you said for her to be so young and i'm sure you picked up on it when her dad's screaming at her to tell her to keep repeating 
my dreams are just dreams. They're not real. Yeah. It's like her emotion kept changing. Yeah. To where she's visibly upset. She's starting to get angry. And and she's representing all the emotions that she's going through. Yeah. And yeah, but yeah, I I totally agree. Her uh, and and we've watched a number of things here lately where just the child acting is just on a totally different level. When I was younger, I don't recall seeing a ton of movies or, or shows in which the child acting was at this kind of level. I mean, you know, I grew up on like Saved by the Bell, where, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right? And I mean, stuff where <clears throat> the acting was atrocious. But yeah, she, man, I'm sitting here thinking the world better hope. Gwen doesn't join Cobra Kai because <laughs> 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 if she does, it's over. Right. <laughs> it's the end. I mean, uh, yeah, like growing so, up, it seemed like we would always have like one or maybe two good kids at a time, you know, like maybe for your age, you know, like Jodie Foster was a big deal, you know, like it was always like one or two at a time. But now it just seems like here in the past 10 or 15 years that they just stepped up their game and like hopefully you can see like maybe with maybe with the way things have changed just society's changed maybe these kids can can last because you know not even just in the things that we've watched and discussed on here but so many different things i've seen like child actors and actresses that act circles around some of the adults that I've seen in my life. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, she was by far the best part of the show. So yeah, her her uh her dad, you know, beats her over, you know, the cops visiting him at work over the dreams, which, you know, was a brutal scene. And then after that we see Robin Robin get kidnapped now without anybody to protect him. The bullies chase down Finny, but Gwen comes to help by bashing kids head in with a rock. And then, you know, then she, you know, turns around and gets her ass kicked afterwards. But man, (laughs) like you said, dude, like, I can't imagine if if she got into like Cobra Kai, how dirty she could get. Like, woof, man, just that rock upside. Like, that shocked me that that I was when I watched it the first time I audibly gasped. I was like, (gasps) just she whacked him good and then he's just sitting there and he's just just the blood <laughs> coming out of his head and she just sits beside him and they just look at each other like that was just so surreal and i'm just like man it, it reminds you of like those scenes that you see like even you like i don't know if you ever had anything like that happen where like kids get hit or anything like an accident happens like in your schoolyard or something like that like where it's just like you're just there with it for a second and you're just kind of like, yep, this is <laughs> this is going on. And it's just there. Like, I don't know. It's such a weird thing for... Uh, that scene was really weird for me. Uh, yeah. We all could use a Gwen in our corner. <laughs> in dude. this crazy world. And dude. She's I, great. I, I love her and, and Finn's bond. And, and relationship, which obviously I think is strengthened by the fact that their dad is so abusive. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of forces them to have to rely even more on each other. But the way she supports him and backs him up, just the bond they have, it was for a dark movie. That that was one of the bright spots that kind of that kind of shined. Yeah. And I could never tell. Could you tell who was older and who was younger? I 
I thought Finney was older. I assume so as well, but I'm thinking Finney, I, I, maybe like 12, 13, maybe Gwen's just maybe a couple of years younger. Yeah. But there were, yeah, there was, I mean, she definitely, you know, acted more, you know, I guess more assertive. I wouldn't say mature because they were both seemed pretty mature. But as far as like, you know, like being assertive, she definitely had the upper hand. But in some scenes, it also seemed like she was a little bit bigger as well. But like you said, it could just be, it could be the totally opposite. And I just couldn't ever tell. So I was completely unclear. I never took it really one way or the other. I mean, it would make more sense for her to be younger and I guess play that part. Uh, But yeah, then, you know, after that, on the way home from getting beat up, Finney gets kidnapped by the grabber, which not so much in the rest of the movie, but in that scene right there, he totally reminded me of the Joker from The Dark Knight. Like, when uh heath ledger's joker man did he not did, like the laughs that he was doing and just kind of the voice inflictions i guess it just total joker vibes what do you think about the mask i mean it's it's interesting that because that was actually one of the things i guess one of the questions i had was just what is up with the mask i mean sometimes yeah. he's just covering his mouth part Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's the other way around some, or sometimes it's a full mask, you know, is, is there a meaning or purpose behind which mask he wears at which I time? Actually, I didn't do like too much, but I mean, I just kind of did like some surface level reading and investigating on the same thing because I had the same question because I don't know if you even noticed this, but even the mouthpiece would change sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it would be, you know, smiling. We saw it smiling at first and then we saw it. I think it was frowning next and then it was just blank. And then like you said, it wasn't even wearing it. So yeah, I, there was definitely something, some kind of significance. And I don't know if it was like a mood that he was in or like a way to portray his emotions. And then at the end when he just was showing his mouth, you know, like that was like his murder mode, you know, like, which is like, you know, like exposing, like, I guess the real part of him. I, I don't know, but I'm Yeah. The mask was a blend of creepy and interesting. And I know that uh, the person who created it did, you know, spend a lot of time working on it. So, I mean, they did a great job with it because, man, it it was it was definitely one of those masks that just kind of like kind of sticks with you. You know what I mean? Like it sticks in your mind. Kind of, It's like one of those those faces that will always kind of haunt you, kind of like a Michael Myers you know, yeah. it's just kind of like that haunting, ghastly kind of thing. Like the, I can name off like probably five faces off the top of my head that remind me of, you know, like the thing, like the freaking, the puppets from, you know, the puppet master, Frank, Frank from Donnie Darko. <laughs> like all of these, like it just, all of these like things that kind of just reminds me of that just kind of like just stick in a mental place in your head that is just kind of like, you don't want to see them in a in a dark room, you know, in the shadows, <laughs> like yeah. for sure. Like it would definitely, you know, be a lot even like a lot scarier than even say like a Chucky, you know, like yeah, it would be scary to see Chucky, but it'd be way scarier to see you know like that Michael Myers shadow like outline in the shadows, like yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and you had just mentioned the scene where where Finney is kidnapped mm-hmm. <laughs> and. and I know most movies are there's certain things you just have to let go uh, just because it may not be as believable, but I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, my gosh, how common was a black van 
right <laughs> in the 70s yeah. i mean and he parks in front of his house or you know it is in driveway and he kidnaps all these kids or boys in broad daylight of like so I, I, that was just one of the areas where i just had to tell myself just kind of let it go and just enjoy the ride yeah and then i remember it was set in the late 70s when kidnappings and all of that were like at the, uh, an all-time high so i'm also like yeah i can also kind of believe it as well like even though i wasn't alive during that time by you know like a decade i at least have seen enough true crime things to know that man the 60s and 70s and 80s were just like it was like the wild west for serial killers for kidnappers for all of the above like yeah because they they dna and stuff like that hadn't been invented police they were smarter than the police it was just yeah anyways so so finney was his last i guess victim as far yeah. as being kidnapped do you think were any of his victims handpicked or were they just simply random and based on opportunity i think they were just based on opportunity because i mean he doesn't even know their names I mean, he well, he says he doesn't know their names. Uh, I think he just is looking for more of a type. You know, he just looks for a boy by himself and grabs them when he finds the opportunity. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he knows anything about the kids. I think we would have maybe seen some of him, or like, because I kind of looked for that in the second one or the second time I watched it, and I might have missed something. But I kind of looked in the background before Finney gets kidnapped to see if like. You could see him stalking, and I looked for like even Ethan Hawke in the background, and I never saw it. So I'm just assuming that it's just random because, especially in the scene with Bruce, I was like, maybe they cut to him at the baseball game and like he sees both of them, you know, and that's mm -hmm. where we, we get the connection. And like as he's stalking Finney, he sees Robin as well. And you know, I was like, maybe that's where it all connects and stuff, but no, it, it, I don't think he. I don't think he picked any of them. I think it was just an opportunity and just a coincidence that they were all kind of connected, especially the last two victims were kind of connected to Finney. I think that was just coincidence. And so then the grabber puts him in a concrete basement with a bathroom, a bed, and a black phone that rings, but seemingly isn't connected to anything. Meanwhile, Gwen gets a call from her dad while she's at a friend's house and she races home, basically assuming that the worst that her brother has been kidnapped and back in the basement. Finney keeps hearing the phone. At first, no one is there, but then the other boys who had been previously kidnapped by the grabber start to give him advice on how to survive and escape. Meanwhile, Sister Gwen proceeds to have dreams about the victims in more detail. Police are canvassing the area and are invited in by Max, who we find out is the grabber's brother, who is really into the case and really into cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I made a note here. Sound of food slopping on plate equals gross. Oh, that's, <laughs> I remember what that is. That's uh, the scene where Finney's picking up the 
the food on top that was on the floor and putting it back on the plate. Okay, that's what that was. Finny hasn't been killed because he hasn't been playing Naughty Boy. Finn almost escapes, but gets caught. Little uh, little Gwen questions her faith over her lack of dreams. Finn, she has a dream that overlaps Finny's latest phone call with Vance, who gives him who gives him even more information. Robin calls with the last bit of info on how to defeat the grabber. Meanwhile, Finny, meanwhile, Max figures out his brother is the grabber and checks the basement and gets killed. Finny uses all the tools and information given by the victims to defeat the grabber and escape the basement, which is the house across the street from the burial house. The end. So what'd you think about it, man? I, I mentioned earlier, I, I thought this movie was a great introduction um, for this month that we're focusing on the horror genre. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, I've, I've kind of had a love-hate relationship. Uh, so I, I've been curious to start this to see, you know, what would happen as, as I started to watch these kind of movies again. And man, I, I'm a big fan of this one. I thought it used a lot of the elements of your traditional horror flick and then kind of brought in some of the, the newer stuff. And I thought it mended really well. And I'm always the type of person, and, and you may be the same, where I, mean, I, I love watching movies. But the other side of it that I love is I'm always pulling out deeper themes or or life lessons out of it. And, and I thought this movie, whether I'm sure some of it was intentional, um, but... Uh, I felt like there was there was a lot of cool themes in there uh, yeah. as far as life type situations. Yeah, it was really great. Um, I mean, you know, I was definitely expecting a more horror film, I guess. And this, I guess, I guess you could classify this probably a little bit more on the thriller side of things. But yeah, man, it was great. The way the writing was, it was super well written. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Joe Hill, the guy who wrote the the short story that this is based on, is actually Stephen King's son. Okay, yeah, so I, I do remember reading that. Yeah, Jeff, I know we talked a little bit about like some of the things that we've noticed about the movie as we were watching it, but did you have any extra trivia or information about the movie that we haven't covered already? Um. Probably not trivia per se, but um, th- there are different parts uh, of the movie that I, I think are interesting uh, for discussion. One of Gwen's earlier dreams, uh, she sees Finny kind of at, I guess, at, at inside inside a house, but looking out the door, kind of banging on it. Yeah. Uh, was that supposed to represent their house or... I noticed the house number was 1242. Yeah. And I was trying to research to figure out, you know, what what house was that? Because it wasn't the grabber's house, at least not the one that she sees in her her other dreams. Yeah, because that was like 7441 or something like that. Yeah, 7741. Yeah. So I I didn't know if it was supposed to represent the other house he used cross street or maybe. And I, I didn't go back to look at the front of their house to see maybe if it was just their house but yeah um i did pause it to see that the house number was 1242 so i'm like you know is is that important was that supposed to represent something huh i'm guessing it probably i mean it must have been their house because i mean just based on how house numbering works it wouldn't be the grabber's house as well 
Uh, yeah. Because that would be like 7742 or something. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's usually even numbers on one yeah. side and odd on the other. So, yeah. so, so maybe that was just their house. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But what what did you think about all of the different information and tips he was given by the previous victims? I think him and his sister both have the same, I guess, gift that their mother had. You know, I didn't really cover that, but, you know, like their mother, we found out that the mother had dreams and stuff, and that eventually led her to kill herself. And that's one of the reasons that their father is so against her dreams. But I just don't think that, I think that whatever, whatever they have, as far as gift wise, I think the grabber had it. And I think that was one of the things that conflicted the grabber so much, because when he was down there, which was another really creepy scene, when he's down there with finney and he finney wakes up and he tells the phone to you know stop it or whatever and then he's like stop you know stop what i think he realizes that finney can hear the phone ringing and i think he i think there's as far as the grabber which i mean we don't really learn about his his backstory so it's literally just left up to interpretation but i think that maybe that was like part of his punishment when he was a kid was being locked in that basement and he could hear the phone ring, but never, you know, it just met, he just thought that he was crazy. And that's what his father convinced him of, just like their father was doing, you know, with with Gwen. So I think it I think that was one of the things that he was conflicted with was seeing that, you know, that's why he said he was different. I don't think because we found out that the other boys couldn't hear the phone through you know the ghost he said why did none of the other boys ever answer the phone he said they couldn't hear it the phone rang but they couldn't hear it but he yeah, could i think it was yeah bruce told him that none of us heard it he says the grabber hears it mm-hmm. but he doesn't want to believe it right so so and, and sometimes i'm guilty of of trying too hard to read into stuff because i always want to try to catch every little hidden message maybe that the showrunners are, are, are trying to sneak in, but you know, part of me wanted wondered if the black phone was like a metaphor for the grabber, maybe the the guilt he had for you know his crimes and his sins, mm-hmm. and so he, he could hear it, but he he didn't want to hear from those victims. Yeah, so it kind of represented, <laughs> and the fact that he went across the street to bury their bodies. Yeah. Uh, so he didn't even do it in the same location that he did the torture. So, you know, I think the black phone is, is kind of a metaphor representing more than than just a means of uh, the past victims communicating to Finn. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot there to unpack. I mean, it, it was just, it's super dense. And I, like, I got to thinking about the uh, the Stephen King connection. And I wonder if, you know, maybe they all have The Shining, you know, <laughs> they yeah. can all because because I mean, we find out, you know, like I, I kind of touched on it, but, you know, it's not just like they're having premonitions. We find out that it's, the communications are 100 percent accurate because they overlap. Finney can't hear Gwen, but Gwen in her dream with uh, the Vance character she can hear finn she can hear the communication between finn and vance yeah so 
she felt like that's 100%. I don't, that's, that's, that was really interesting to me how that was pointed out that she can hear that communication. Like, just like, like, I don't know. It just, it was very shining ish to me. So I don't know. That's just, and then the fact that it's written by Stephen King's son is just too much of a coincidence, but it could just be, you know, inspiration, but I, man, this movie was great. I loved it. So loved it. You mentioned the shining. I kind of got a vibe off of another movie, not a Stephen King, but, uh, fairly well-known guy by M. Knight Shyamalan. Uh, the movie Signs. Okay. And and you're probably thinking, okay, whatever, but I'll, I'll piece it together for you. We find that Finney is given, given all this information from, you know, the previous victims. And, and he fails to understand what the purpose or the benefit of knowing it ends up being because... I think it was Bruce that tells him about the cable that's hidden under the wall. So he uses that to try to, you know, get to the the window and it just ends up pulling the grate down. Um, and then I believe it was uh, Vance that told him about the place in the wall, you know, near the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets through it. He can't bust through the freezer. So, I mean, he, he just, all these little things and he, he just feels like he's being defeated every single time. Uh, even the the combo to the lock, you know, that didn't work. I'm trying to think some of the other ones, but but it was it wasn't till the end to all those things together mm-hmm. kind of piece together to to ultimately defeat um, the grabber at the end. And and the reason that made me think of signs was all these little things throughout the movie that didn't make much sense, like the little girl leaving glasses of water everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Mel Gibson, I forget his character's name but his brother being a baseball player but it it never panned out to the future he thought um the little girl having you know asthma um all those little things didn't seem to have a purpose but they all played together at the very end yeah and then you saw the purpose yeah uh so that's why the ending made me think of signs is and and to me that was where the big life lesson kind of hit was sometimes we encounter these little things that we feel like it's just defeat and we didn't understand the purpose of it. And and I thought it was interesting that at Finn's lowest moment is when Robin calls. Yeah. You know, probably his only, what we were led to believe is his only friend at all. And that was the very moment that it was right after he bust through the wall and, and couldn't get through the free freezer and, and he's crying. He's, he's just hopeless. He's in total despair and that was the very moment that Robin called and kind of gave him a pep talk and, and gave him that last tip as far as, you know, filling the dirt with receiver and just kind of gave him that encouragement that he needed. Yeah. And basically the confidence. I mean, that was the, the movie was all about Finn's confidence. Yeah. Just like I felt like the movie signs was, was all about Mel Gibson's character's faith um, that he lost. And then it was rekindled at the end when he saw all those little pieces kind of mm-hmm. come together and we kind of saw the same thing with Finn when all those little, I mean, the cable and the grate, you know, the grate was used in that hole to, you know, basically break his ankle. Yeah. Uh, and the cable was used to trip him. Um, and then the, the mm-hmm. phone cord, obviously he used the choke him. And of course he used all the, the tips from, from Robin to, 
just beat the mud out of them. Yeah. Uh, and then even the freezer, he used the meat that he got out of the freezer to distract the dog, distract the dog so he could get out. Mm-hmm. So all those little things that we thought were just failed attempts. The only, the only one I, I don't think he actually used to defeat the grabber was, uh, I think it was Griffin that gave him the, the information as far as the lock and the combination. Yeah. Um, I don't think he used anything from Griffin. But he used that to leave. He used that yeah. to leave at the very end. I, but I, I guess I was looking more at, I mean, he probably would have got out of the house either way, but so it still played a part and it was still important. But as, as far as all the maneuvers he made, you know, to actually defeat Grabber, you know, he, he used something from all of them, probably except for Griffin. But like you said, that was the way he was able to get out, uh, which, you know, still important because the police weren't, weren't honed in on that particular house. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, it is important that he's able to get out, but it always, it reminded me of like, and like when these little types of scenarios happen in movies, it always reminds me of these little point and click games that I used to play whenever we were kids in school, like uh Freddy fish. And it was like these things where you would go to like these different scenes and you'd have to like collect things randomly on the screen. And like, you would add them to your inventory and then, eventually they would come into play later on in the game like where you would like piece together and it would be like oh that's the reason that i collected that shell was that so that it could be put onto this you know weight so that it would lift the door you know (laughs) and like it was just reminds me of like those little point and click games just a really dark version of those from whenever i was a kid oh yeah and a lot of life lessons in there Uh, Mm um one interesting tidbit on my second time watching it um, there towards the end when uh, the police go to the house that that Gwen leads them to, you know, at that point, the grabber's already in the basement um, with Finn, on, you know, across the street. Yeah. I noticed when the police showed up and you see the house across the street in the background, mm-hmm. the black van's not there. And I'm like, well, that's weird because the grabber's already at the house at this time. Yeah. But when Finn comes out of the house, the black van is there. I didn't catch uh, that. I'm guessing that was just an oversight by the by the yeah. producers uh, because it's it's not there the first time. But when he comes walking out, it's there. And I because at first I was like, well, maybe he just parked behind the house or whatever. But no, he he parked right there in the driveway. It just hmm. didn't show it up at first. I wonder, yeah, maybe yeah, is either a goof or they just purposefully let it out, left it out, so that you wouldn't be. Because they wanted to trick you, you know, like they didn't want you to catch the black van in the background and then yeah. not be tricked because, because I mean, I don't know about you, but for a split second, when I saw that the house was empty and the, the bodies were buried in the basement, I was like, is Finney already dead? And like, he's like left and, you know, all that. And then they showed the, you know, the hole where it was still empty. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like he's. He's not because I was thinking like maybe his sister's hearing all this and no, like finding all this out in like a dream or something. And like, yeah. she's communicating, like he's like, she's finding all this out. Like last little bit of information that we find out from, from her dream. And so I'm really glad that didn't work out, but yeah, I did not catch that van. That's crazy. Yeah. And uh, so like you, you mentioned earlier, we're not giving a lot of backstory on the grabber, the, Producers obviously left a like, like you said, left a lot to interpretation. Based on things he mentions, we assume that he grew up in that house. 
uh, because, you know, makes comment that phone hasn't worked since I was a kid. Yeah. So I guess my interpretation was good chance that he may have been abused by his dad. Yeah. Um, which is ironic based on Finney and his sister mm-hmm. uh, kind of being in that same situation. And and like you, you mentioned a good point as far as their mom, you know, having a certain kind of power or connection uh, with dreams and maybe the grabber does as well. So, you know, I'm thinking that the grabber has probably had a, a similar experience as a child and that obviously had an impact on him. I also wonder what the impact is on Finney. We don't get an indication that, and I know it's left up to interpretation, but I almost kind of get the the idea that maybe Gwen is abused a lot more than he is. Yeah. But because of her dreams. Um, and and just the the similarity there uh with her mom and obviously her dad's uh ex-wife. But I would say that a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that she stands up to him as a lot a lot as well because it just comes with her personality. Yeah. Uh but you might make sure you wonder what impact that has on Finney by not being able to stop it or do anything about it. Yeah. Um, you you kind of, and, and that's kind of where we see that, that lack of confidence play out as far as kind of what he struggles with. And we kind of see there at the end where his, his confidence is, is like restored. He's overcame uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of marches into the school, you know, he's got a different little pep to a step, a different kind of strut. And yeah, he's basically overcame his demons. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> Yeah, and then he he talks to that girl, mm-hmm. and and I thought it was interesting there at the end. He says, "Uh, call me Finn." Yeah, and if I remember correctly, I think I think Robin was kind of the only one that called him Finn. Yeah, I think everybody's pretty much called him Finny. So just the respect and connection he had with Robin, which Robin represents confidence to the extreme. Yeah, so it's almost like he he now can take that on. And he's like, I'm a different, I'm a different person now. Yeah. So Parker, you, you kind of hinted earlier that this wasn't necessarily like a super scary movie and, and it wasn't, it, it definitely played more uh, as a thriller, but was there a particular scene that you say, you would say kind of spooked you or kind of had you on the edge the most? I mean, really, I can only even think of one jump scare was the dripping, you know, the part where the, the, we find the boy, you know, hovering, you know, up like laying like with his back arched and blood dripping. Um, you know, when it cuts to him, and that's not even really a jump scare. As far as disturbing, it, it has to be that that scene that was literally real life. It's not even illegal to have, you know, like that's a legal thing <laughs> that can happen and happens every day. That one's probably the most disturbing. I don't think there was anything that really I mean, all the scenes with the grabber were very off-putting for sure. The mask was totally creepy. Ethan Hawke's performance was great. Uh, just a super creepy dude. Uh, so, I mean, all of that was super creepy just in general. But as far as like the scene that stuck with me as far as disturbed me or bothered me the most is definitely the the father beating Gwen. Yeah. So... The, the one that probably had me on edge the most that uh, it was kind of like where you're just prepping yourself to jump because you, you know, something's about to happen was uh, when he was given the, the combination to the lock. Oh yeah. And the, the ghost even told him, you know, Hey, he's, he's sleeping right now. 
Oh my gosh. And, yeah. and Finn goes up the stairs and has to walk right past him. And, you know, the grabber's kind of coming to a little bit. You can tell he's not like fully asleep. And then, of course, he walks. I just knew he was going to jump up and grab that kid. Oh. And uh, that one was, to me, probably the most intense as far as, you know, being on the edge of my seat. And I'm just like, oh, I just, I know something's about to happen. I got to prep myself for it. Did you uh, think he was going to get away? Actually, I didn't. Not not at that particular scene. I, I thought there was still too much left that had to happen. Yeah. I'll get into that scene a little bit more later on. Uh, but no, I, I didn't think he was going to make it out the door at that particular time. Well, go ahead and talk about it. Well, this was, I guess we can kind of, it was going to be part of my dude or dud. Oh, uh, okay. Well, we can go ahead and uh, we can actually go ahead and do that. What? We'll go ahead. Yeah. What is your dude or dud of the week? We can jump into that right now this is this may be a little controversial mm-hmm. um but i'm picking a dud of the week oh this is your first dud of the week isn't it is it, it i think it is all right like it might said, be this it's it's, it's going to be an unpopular opinion but my dud of the week is finny oh why how's this man Me too. you you unlock the lock you get out of the house you get a good running start the dude's in a vehicle. You're in a neighborhood. You have to stick to the sidewalk. Right. Yeah. He couldn't you, cut through some backyards. Exactly. And we see this play out in so many movies. And it just frustrates me to no end. At least he wasn't uh, running in the middle of the street. I'll give him that. Yeah. I see that a lot too. But there's, gosh. there's no reason why he should have been caught in that situation. <laughs> I mean, and, and, unless the, the grabber kind of just pulled over and just is faster and outran him mm-hmm. but the grabber's not in the best of shape and finney's a young I don't kid oh man he looked pretty swole sitting in that chair half naked uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i i still think finney should be able to outrun him but the fact yeah. that he just he stayed on the sidewalk and basically just ran right into the van i'm like dude you know at that point i'm like you almost deserved to die at that point i mean it, it, <laughs> that was well your, i mean I honestly, I think that was what we saw from from Finney's character. He hadn't made it to that point. Like it, that was part of his character's growth. I mean, like it, but but he's not stupid, right? He's not. <laughs> you're right. He's not stupid, but it's like he still didn't have that fight for for life. You know, like he didn't. He wanted to live, but he didn't have that fight in him. Like he's always had the, the, I guess the fight, but he didn't fight back, you know, like he never ran from the fight. He wasn't scared of the fight. He's not scared to do these things. He's a brave kid. He just doesn't, he's afraid to fight back. And that's the problem is he doesn't have the confidence to fight back. And so he, that's, that's the whole thing is he realizes that he has to fight back in order to escape like that's the whole that's the whole lesson that you know Finn learns the whole movie and that's why he's able to overcome because he doesn't he never fights he's just running and so i mean yeah of course he doesn't get away from with running because he wouldn't have learned his lesson he didn't fight and that was the whole point was he's he actually has a fight to overcome and then yeah then he yeah he, and, and I, I totally get all that and and i do understand but yeah the, the purpose behind it because he could have gotten caught a little bit harder. <laughs> he could have been yeah, a little bit harder to get away. Like I said, if he gets away in that situation, then 
does he get his confidence back? Or not only that, is the grabber ever defeated? Right. Um, if he gets, I guess my my thing was just the way he got caught. I'm like, dude, come on, just mm-hmm. cut behind the house. He's in a vehicle. You're on foot. You you kind of have an advantage. But yeah, at least, even mice know to like scurry under the nearest object. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, that's that that I'm sorry that that just kind of did it for me. That made him my dud of the week. But but his acting was brilliant. So I'll give him that. Yeah, uh, my. So, uh, which, who's your dude or dud of the week? My dude of the week is going to be Robin, just because we didn't really get to talk about him too much. I mean, obviously, there was a bunch of great characters and great actors in this, but that little dude was a great friend. You know, he was the strongest kid in the school, and he still stood up for the little guy. I don't know. I always like, I always like characters like that. They're always really fun. So he... And he, he, you know, his advice, he definitely was there and helped his friend, you know, basically told him like, you're not dying. You're not coming with me. You're not going to be where I am. This is, you're better than this. You have it in you. And basically pushes him over the finish line, you know? So my dude of the week is Robin. Solid, solid choice. Yes, yes. All right. We'll go into our ranking. This is an another new thing here. Uh, we are going to give it, a ranking out of five, zero being the lowest, five being the highest. We're going to rank this one out of, we'll say thought out stakes. Out of five thought out stakes, how many thought out stakes could you give this movie? I will give it a solid four. All right. Four thought out stakes. Nice. Solid four. Yeah. Wait, you, you want to say why? Why? What, you, what gave it a four? I, I'm very hesitant to give any movie a five. Mm-hmm. That's just the way I operate. To me, that means it couldn't have been any better. There's no room for improvement. So I'm stingy with my fives. Four and a half is a possibility. And, and it could be once I watch a lot more movies, I go back and I might think, you know what? That was probably a, an actual four and a half. But for now, I'm going to give it a solid four. Great movie. Acting was superb. Just from start to finish, it, it was just very well done. I love the whole 70s vibe. Uh, to me, that just kind of made it even more eerie. Yeah. Um, just uh, again, we talked about it earlier. The 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 child acting just on another level. But but yeah, all in all, I I highly recommend it, and I give it a solid four. What about yeah. you? Uh, all stakes. I will give this. I will actually give it the same four thought out stakes for pretty much the same reasons. Was it absolutely perfect? You know, no, it was not. There was, you know, some things that, you know, could have been improved on. But overall, I mean, this is about as good as they come. You know, like you don't get much better than this. You know, it wasn't very scary, uh, which, you know, it doesn't have to be. They definitely didn't. It definitely didn't affect my ranking whatsoever. But I expected it to be a little scarier, but it was a great film. So I wasn't let down by it by any stretch of the imagination. And like you said, the acting was great. The performances were all, all good. I can't even think of one that even stood out to me. It's being like, okay, this guy's acting in a different film or anything like that. Everything was well acted. Everything was well written. Everything pretty much made sense with the exception of, you know, running on the sidewalk and, you know, maybe, maybe a few other things. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, it was it was kept you interested. You know, it's like an hour and like 40 minutes, but you don't really you don't really lose interest in it, you know, at any point. I never, you know, have to I think I think there was one point where I bumped my phone because I was actually watching this on my phone and I bumped my phone and realized that it was like an hour and five minutes in. And I was like, what? I've already watched an hour and five minutes of this movie. I was like, I feel like there's so much more that could happen. So like it moves really well. It paces, you know, great. I don't think there's anything that's just like unneeded, you know, maybe his, you know, the only thing that maybe could have been left out was his little, you know, B plot with the girl. Uh, but, you know, I guess that's kind of served his purpose as far as, you know, show, showing his confidence. Uh, but, you know, uh, other than that, great movie. I would highly recommend it to anybody that likes any kind of, you know, thrillers or horrors, because this would be a great one to recommend to just about anybody, you know, because like you said, it's not too scary. So it's not going to really like bother too many people. And, you know, the language is a little bit, but they're probably, you're not probably going to be able to recommend too many films to somebody that doesn't like, you know, language in their movies anyways. So um, it's not too graphic. So you can be able to recommend this to somebody that is a light horror, you know, even though it's rated R, it's not too violent. So love it. Great movie. I guess that concludes this episode of the movie that gives us an average score of four, a four out of five possible points, uh, which is our first film we've ranked. So I guess it's the only one we have a ranking of right now. So it's number one and it's both the first and the last film on our ranking score. So next week we will be watching, we'll be continuing our horror themed month with fear street part one 1994 so if you would like to watch that and continue the discussion i will be giving you details on how you can do that jeff do you have anything else before you want to hop out of here so as parker mentioned fear street part one next week if you're a huge fan of stranger things or robin's character uh maya hawk she uh she's in this movie i don't remember i don't know if she's like the star or if she just makes an appearance but of course park and i are huge fans of her so i'm anxious to see her role in that movie and yeah i've actually never watched these so i'm excited yeah this is one of those where i don't know if you're like me i love going into a movie not knowing very much about it mm-hmm. and I, I like black phone i didn't know a, a whole lot about it and Same. For me, usually some of my best movie experiences is when I kind of go in blind, not yeah. knowing a lot about the movies. I don't even know what Fear Street is about or anything about it. Like I just happen to notice that uh, there's a couple of them that kind of feature some of the Stranger Things cast. So it just kind of caught my attention. Yeah, I do know that Fear Street was originally a book series from Goosebumps author R.L. Stein. But I don't actually know if they're actually based on any of the books or if they're just using the name only. I have no idea. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how different the the movies are as far as, you know, like this one wasn't super scary, but still great. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see if some of the other ones are more on the scary side or 
Um, there's so many different types of horror movies that you can get into. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking based on the list we got, we we may find five completely different takes on the horror genre. Yeah, I think we do. I think we kind of have a little bit of all of the elements covered. So I'm excited about this month. And yeah, love it, man. Thanks to my co-host, Jeff. And thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars and a review really do help these dudes out on the charts. Special thanks this week to Devin and Natalie for this week's film suggestion. If you would like to suggest a film or you have a thought or idea about what we're watching, please email us at streamingwithtwodudes at gmail.com or request to join our Streaming With Two Dudes Facebook group. Links to our Patreon and our socials are in the show notes. Thanks again. And remember, don't take rides from strangers.